You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast. We're your hosts, Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman. Today's guest is the incredible Kat Harris. Kat is a Brooklyn-based online educator, digital content creator, and female empowerment advocate. She loves God, a good Beyonce dance party, and has an affinity for ranch dressing. Don't you dare try to take it away from her. (laughs) Her vision is for women to know their beauty, identity, and value. She is co-founder of the online publication, The Refined Woman, and host of the Refined Collective podcast. She has also been a full-time photographer for the last decade, with her work being featured in GQ, Forbes, People, Who, What, Where, US Weekly, and Glamour UK. She believes in the power of story, that done is better than perfect, quality triumphs quantity, and that the journey truly is the destination. The vehicles for her message are her podcast, online courses, written articles, hosted leadership development workshops, speaking at conferences, and more. It has become a bigger passion in her life than she could have ever imagined. Today's show is freaking gold, guys. Gold. Kat goes deep into her story, how and when to hustle, and also the opposite side of that coin, how to avoid burnout. Kat shares her story of not knowing how to operate a camera to shooting celebrity weddings and New York fashion shows. And uh, sneak peek, the first wedding she ever edited was Usher's. (laughs) Oh man. Anyways, through her years of hustling to the top of her industry, Kat experienced some of the worst burnout you can imagine, including panic attacks in the middle of two weddings back to back. Yikes, can we talk about worst nightmare? But she goes straight to practical, tangible tools, steps, and strategies to combat burnout, anxiety, stress, and overwhelm. Probably the most powerful and simplified fight plan I have ever heard. So if you struggle with anxiety or fear, you need to listen to Kat on today's episode. If you're ready to have your life changed, keep listening. You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast with Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman, two photographers turned entrepreneurs and founders of the Heart University. If you're a creative entrepreneur or a motivated dreamer wanting to make the most of your life, this podcast is for you. Each week, Evie and Lindsay bring you actionable tools to uplevel your business and life. So if you're ready to step up to the plate and pursue your God-given potential, you're in the right place. You're ready to live your life and run your business to its fullest? Then buckle up, because here are your hosts, Evie and Lindsay. All right, Kat, welcome to the Heart and Hustle podcast. We're so excited to have you. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for chatting with me. And just I'm just excited to get to know you guys. I mean, we've been chatting pre-recording for a few minutes, and I just feel like I want to be y'all's friends. Yes, <laughs> we're gonna be, be best friends by the time this episode is done. Besties but... for the rest. <laughs> yeah. <Love it. laughs> yeah. Well, we followed you for a while, and we we love who you are. I think your story is super inspiring to a lot of women out there. And so let's just get to it. I want you to tell us your story and a little bit about yourself to start off. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh. This is such a hard question for me because I want to be like, so in kindergarten when I was playing (laughs) blocks, it all started there. Um, But who am I? Gosh. Okay. My name is Kat Harris. I am co-founder of the online publication, The Refined Woman. I host The Refined Collective Podcast. And a lot of what I do is equipping and empowering women to embrace their worth, value, and identity through storytelling. So I have some online courses. I have downloadable devotionals and meditation guides that I offer people. And I've also been a full-time photographer for over a decade now. Um, So kind of balancing both of those things. Um, As many entrepreneurs, like lots of plates and rolls spinning in my life. Um, And I'm based out of Brooklyn. And I've been in New York for almost seven years, which before I moved to New York, people would say if you lived in New York for seven years, like you're a New Yorker. Um, But now that I've been there for almost seven years, I still feel like I'm like, what's the subway? And how do I manage this? (laughs) This city's too loud. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, so I'm enjoying living in New York. I'm single. I, um, am currently writing my first book. Um, I love long walks on the beach. (laughs) Um, I love Beyonce. I love ranch dressing. I am probably like way too invested into pop culture, specifically the bachelor. 
Oh, um, girl, I could <laughs> chat with you for days. Oh, That's a wait, whole other conversation. So are you up to, are you following the Tyler and Hannah saga on Instagram right now? Oh, oh, you mean on TikTok? I am. Yes, yes I am. Oh my God, I'm, all, I'm, so I'm shipping them so hard. Evie doesn't watch the social. She, she said, she's sitting here like, what is happening? <laughs> oh my gosh. I know. I know. I feel like it's a character flaw, but I just <laughs> really care about strangers love lives. So sue me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I love this so much. <laughs> oh man, well, you are yeah, that's so a little bit passionate. Oh, oh, I, I love it. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> well, so you talked a little bit about the refined woman and yeah. kind of that. Can you tell us a little bit about what led you to start that and kind of your journey there? Yeah, for sure. Cause I'm sure it kind of sounds like, okay, so what does it mean? Like you equip and empower women? Like what? Like, is there anything to hang our hats on? So how it started was about eight years ago. So like I said, I've been shooting, I've been a photographer full-time for over a decade. And for years I shot New York fashion week for different publications and brands. And so I was shooting runway and backstage and just that kind of crazy lifestyle. Um, and I think it was after like my 12th season of shooting runway that I left, I was leaving and I was exhausted. I was burnt out because those weeks for me used to be like 18 hours of shooting with like instant turnaround time. Like they want the images like 10 seconds after you shoot them. Um, and then at night would be like networking and parties. And so I would like fly to New York from LA to shoot and then just like come back a zombie a week later or 10 days later. So as I was leaving this particular time, I just kind of felt this, like this, like God nudge on the inside of like, cat, like what's your purpose here? Like, what is the story you're inviting people into? What's the legacy you want to leave? And I love photography and images have always brought me life and they've like sparked this like feeling or emotion inside me. And I love how you can capture a moment and it can last like lifetimes. But I, I just felt like, man, I'm taking pictures of pretty clothes that I can't afford or fit into if I could afford. And I just felt like I was in the thick of this industry that said, you matter because of what you look like, what you wear, the followers you do or do not have, the status you do or do not have. And so it felt almost like as a woman, I mattered because I was a what, (laughs) if that Mm -hmm. makes sense, as Uh opposed to I matter because I am a who. Um, And so I felt like I wanted to offer an alternative conversation in the fashion and lifestyle world that said, yeah, like fashion is fun. Great. Cool. Um, but I matter because of who I am, because of whose I am, uh, because I am grounded, worthy, accepted, loved, seen, wanted, chosen, all these things from the inside out. And so the refined woman was really birthed from a place of wanting to still be in that space of like influence, fashion, photography, all of that, but wanting to have a different conversation. So it initially for the first few years was a style blog, like the style blog for the working woman. And honestly, style, like if you want to have a real laugh, go look at my style posts (laughs) because, um, they were really funny because I was like broke ass. I don't know if you want to say that on here, Um, (laughs) but I was like so poor, like could not afford any new clothes. And I just, it stressed me out to do style post. And I had a business partner at the time, Emily, who is also, um, an incredible, incredible film photographer, Emily Scott. Um, and her style posts were incredible. They brought her life, but I just felt like I want to like, again, what's my legacy? What's the point of what I'm doing here? What's my why? And I just wanted to share my story. So I started doing less style posts and more talking about kind of what I'll refer to as like life and the in-between. So the moments of imperfections or fumbles or failures, however you want to look at them in my everyday life. So I started talking about being single and a Christian and dating in a crazy place like New York and 
Then I opened up about struggling and healing and walking through anxiety and burnout and autoimmune disorders. And I, I found like the more I started sharing my heart and removing that sort of like Instagram perfect mask of perfection and just was like, here's where I'm at. Here's where I'm struggling. And also like, here's where I'm having fun. Cause like life doesn't always have to be like, or down in the depths of the ocean talking about the deep things of life. Like I wanted to just kind of talk about like the newest Beyonce music video. And then also <laughs> like what God was doing in my life. Um, and the more I did that, it was like the more my tribe just started like coming, like people will say like your vibe attracts your tribe and it sounds cheesy, but I just think that's really true. So oh, and really in the last three years I've transitioned fully out of doing style posts and more into talking about faith and lifestyle. And then the biggest surprise out of all of it is <laughs> I'm writing a book to single women, which if you would have told me like five years ago, you're going to be writing a book. First of all, I would have laughed in your face because <laughs> I almost failed a freshman level writing class my last semester of college. Um, so talk about like... <laughs> You know, <laughs> unexpected doors being opened for you and being like, okay, like I'm going to walk through this. Um, but yeah, I, the refined woman has just transitioned and pivoted so much in the last eight years. And now I have courses and curriculum for single women really wanting to show up in their season of singleness um, with intention and clarity and ownership because. If anyone is listening and is single, I'm sure you can resonate with that like dating in today's culture can be a struggle fest. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's I speak largely to women that are trying to navigate what it means to be a single woman of faith um, in today's culture. So that is what the refined woman is now. <laughs> wow. Oh my gosh. I had no idea just the depth of your story of what brought you to the refined woman. That is so cool to hear. Mm. You've like been on the inside and it came from a place of like fighting for that change in an industry mm. where you weren't seeing that like truth yeah. being spoken. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just so easy to, I mean, I, I definitely feel like I got caught up and I think caught up in the entrepreneur sense. And I know we're all entrepreneurs here. And, um, like I was so driven in my photography career that I was like, at the place where I was like, I'm willing to do whatever it takes, whatever it takes. I'm going to be a yes person. I'm going to say yes to everything. And I'm going to like, do the job for free if no one else is going to do it. And I'm going to stay coming early and stay late. And I really think like that helped get me to where I was, but it also was like a double edged sword because mm -hmm. I got so burnt out from that. And I think under the narrative underneath a lot of that for me was like, if I ain't working, I ain't working. I don't have paid time off. And so I was really driven also by a lot of fear of like, oh my gosh, like I have to pay my bills. I have to make this work. Like if this doesn't work, like what's going to happen to me? Like, um, I had this very real fear that I was going to like end up homeless and that my business was going to fail and crash. And so I think also part of the refined woman has been like kind of coming back to like my calling as opposed to like a paycheck if that yeah, makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, cause I felt like as much as I love photography, I was also just like, so in work mode all the time. And the refined woman became this like outlet for me to like share my story. And it was like kind of that ultimate like side hustle, or let's be honest for a long time. It was just an expensive hobby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, to like really like share my story in a way that like didn't have like the strings attached to it, like being a business for a mm, long time. Right. Um, so, yeah. Okay. I have like 5 million questions now <laughs> from, yeah. from everything that you just said. I kind of back up a little bit yes. to, so you started before the refined women even existed, you started as a photographer and you said you were yes. working like New York fashion week and all of that. How yeah. did you 
like, what was the point when you knew? Did, I'm assuming like, as everyone probably starts a photography business, we start part-time and then we eventually go to full-time. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that beginning season when you were building your career and how that looked yeah. and like, why, how, like my question, just listening, not knowing this is like, how the heck did you get to like New York Fashion Week? I'm so curious. <laughs> like how did just all of that navigate into like a full-time car- photography career? Um, well, I am a hustler. <laughs> and I remember um, years ago, um, I was, I'm sure you guys know Jasmine Starr, but I was like, mm-hmm. Jasmine, how did you like, how did yes. you like get to where you're at in your business? She's like, girl, I am ghetto fabulous. Like if there's a will, there's a way and Google is my college. And so I feel like that is so much of like what has been my story of like kind of fake it till you make it. But the, there, there is a unique part to how I got into photography and I was like a year or so out of college and I had been working in the nonprofit world and was always like lit up by photography, like I said, but I did not think I was creative at all. I was an athlete my whole life. I played full ride scholarship tennis at a D1 school um, in college and then immediately worked got into the nonprofit world and basically got to this point where I was like, you know what? I like, I love photography. And if I don't like give this a shot, then I'll never know if, if I'm good at it. And so I ended up, I was like, I had been making $7 a day working at this nonprofit. (laughs) And so I was like, in between that, like had no money and was working Um, I was like a contract worker for this event planner briefly, like for a month in Dallas in between jobs before moving back out to LA. And she was producing a $10 million wedding. And (laughs) yeah, it was insane. Like for those of you in the wedding world, like, like one of the place settings could have like, was like $60,000. And I'm not even exaggerating. I was like, if I just stole one fork, I could buy a car. (laughs) (laughs) What the heck? Um, and they ended up flying this photographer out from LA to shoot the wedding. And I mean, I ended up sitting next to him, um, during the vendor meal during the wedding. And he just was a really incredible guy, really kind and this man of faith. And I just like, I remember getting his card and like, I literally glued it in my journal that night and was like, (laughs) I met this amazing godly guy. Like he's this amazing photographer and he like loves his wife and kids and wow like what an inspiration I was just inspired that like there was there were people out there that were like really incredible good at their craft and were also like people of faith and like committed to their families and so fast forward I had moved back to LA was working at another nonprofit and it was like a total sham of a job. It was a terrible fit. And I was like, Oh, I really want to be a photographer. I wish I knew someone. Like, I just feel like I need to like work for someone to like jump in. Like I didn't even know how to turn on a camera. Didn't own like a proper camera. And I was like, Oh yeah, that guy, Mike Cologne, he's in Newport. I think that's right by where I live. So called him up and asked him for a job. And he was like, well, I'll give you an unpaid internship. And I was like, listen, (laughs) I just like basically worked for free for a year, making $7 a day. I don't even know how like I existed. I cannot (laughs) work for you for free. So have a good life. It was nice connecting with you. Talk to you later. And, um, a couple months later out of the blue, he called me and said, I don't know if you still need a job, but my wife and I have been praying and we feel like we're supposed to hire you full time. Can you start in two weeks? And I was like, do you, I was like, just so you know, I'm not being humble. Like, I don't know how to use, I don't know what Lightroom is. Like, I don't know how to turn on a camera. And he's like, that's fine. Like we feel total peace and like, we're supposed to hire you. So I got hired by one of the top (laughs) like celebrity wedding photographers in the nation. And I mean, my first day on the job, I was editing Usher's wedding. And I was like, what the heck is happening right now? Um, And so like God really opened that door for me. And I mean, I respect Mike so much and I would not have a photography career if it wasn't for him, but essentially like he just like taught me everything. I mean, and 
he just poured into me, invested into me and took me on all of his shoots and let me shoot these like crazy multi-million dollar weddings with him. And I mean, he couldn't use any of my images for like almost a year. I remember like those, I remember the wedding it was where we actually had like usable images, like, um, where I could like actually like have, uh, like include some of my images into the proofs. Um, but he taught me how to shoot everything manually. He taught me like to know my camera, like the back of my hand. And so, um, and I think also like editing his images, like every single day was like really helpful. Like he kind of just like threw me into the water and it was like sing or slim, like <laughs> do it. Like he showed me a little bit of Lightroom and stuff, but his whole thing was to teach me how to take like the perfect image that doesn't really need to be edited, um, post so that like, you don't really have to do a lot of work on the images afterwards. So I was working for him. I worked for him full time for four years and I was at the time he was doing a ton of workshops. So I was like producing his workshops. I was hiring models. I was hiring makeup, hair, like wardrobe and like doing location scouting. I was editing all of his images. I was acting as PR for him. I'd be like, uh, do you know, like, that this is Missy Elliott at this wedding. Like we should like get this published. Um, and so I'd like Google, like, what is the editor of this magazine? And like, sub like start submitting weddings. This was like at the very beginning of like style me pretty and all of that. So I was like submitting stuff to get published all the time. And then, um, he was shooting runway a couple times a year for a magazine. And I finally convinced him to let me come out to New York with him and shoot runway with him. So that's how I got my foot in the door with runway. And I mean, I remember he was like, you can go, but you have to pay your own way out there. I'm not going to pay, pay you while we're there. And you have to like teach yourself how to shoot runway. And, um, so I was like, great on the flight out to New York, like Googling, like what is runway photography? <laughs> like what? Um, and I'll never forget that like first being in the photographer's pit for that first show, I was one of two women. It was totally like a, a male locker room at the time. And I mean, I totally like did not know what I was doing the first show. And at the end of it, like the other, the only other woman in the pit came up to me. She was in her sixties and she was like, Hey, this is what you need to do. Like your rhythm is off. You got to shoot it like this. And so from there, I kind of like started to get the rhythm. Um, so eventually like I was shooting with him like each season and then what started happening is if a brand, um, he also did editorial. So if a brand couldn't hire him, they would pay, they would hire me. So I, I got hired on like an editorial campaign a few years into working for him that ended up getting picked up on a national campaign and then a magazine cover. And it was kind of the first time that I realized, oh my gosh, like, I'm not just this person's assistant. Like I can actually take a photo and like, I'm good at it. And I think for a long time in the photography world, I felt like a woman in a man's world. And I felt like I, I would like, I feel like all the guys were like huddling around, giving each other like referrals. And then I was just like in the background and I felt like my femininity was this liability. But when I did that, that first editorial campaign that like, got picked up for national coverage, I realized like actually me being a woman is an, is an asset because like I get to like bring my perspective and the way I see the world. And also like I got to know the models and the team throughout the whole day. And at the end of the day, the model came up to me and said, no photographer has ever asked me my name before. I just want to thank you. And I just like, I almost started crying. I was like, Oh, thank you. <laughs> You're amazing. <laughs> um, but that was kind of like right around that time was around the time also where like the refined woman started coming into my mind. And shortly after that, I ended up, um, leaving and starting my own business. And, um, that was like a whole other journey because, I was connected with this like really high end photographer when I was working for him. Like, I think the first wedding I ever booked was like 
I got paid almost $10,000 for. <laughs> and like, that's no one's story, right? Yeah. Um, right. <laughs> but then I started my own business. I was like, I don't need you. I'm booking all these weddings on my own. And then I could like not book a photo shoot for a hundred dollars. So those first few years of me running my business were like total struggle fest. Like I could hardly book I mean, I was not booking weddings for a thousand dollars that first year. It was, you talk about humbling. I went from like feeling like I was like at the top of the top to like the bottom of the barrel. And so I just started hustling. So I was no longer attached to the, my old boss at fashion week, but I was like, I've been shooting this for seasons now. People know who I am. I'm just going to go and sneak into all the shows and then Google all the designers and send them all my pictures. So I did. And um, it was like really scrappy. And I got kicked out of some shows and I like got into way more than I got kicked out of. And um, from from there, I would just like edit the images and Google people that were there and send them to them and be like, next time, if you want to hire me, like I'm here. Um and so that's kind of how that's a very long winded version of telling you how I got into fashion week and shooting that. Um, and so if, like about a year or so after I started my own business, I moved from LA to New York. And I always say what people are like, what's the difference between LA and New York? And work wise or photography wise, at least for me, it went from like, LA was like the land of like, dreamers and New York was like the land of doers, like, it's like, as soon as I moved to New York, my prices like tripled, I started getting booked like crazy. Um, and my, my business and kind of like all this legwork I had put in for like six years at that point were like starting to pay off. So nothing about my business was like overnight or like I all of a sudden like burst onto the scene. It was like, I worked for a guy for four years and had this crazy experience and then started my business and like, could like hardly pay my rent for a couple years. <laughs> And even my first year in New York, I shared a bedroom with one of my friends and just was like hustling my butt off. Um, and so it, it took a long time to like create like a sustainable photography business. But I will say that like one thing I really learned is that people say yes more way more than they say no. You just kind of have to have the, the gumption to like go for it and ask mm -hmm. and show up and be willing to like put in the put in the work. Um, and, and then also like, it's what like pursuing photography is what led me to that next step of like the refined woman. And I never thought refined woman would become like my life's passion. And here I am like eight years later. Oh, <laughs> and it's like, one of the things that I'm like more like grateful for excited about lit up about than anything in my life. Wow. I <laughs> As you were talking that I was like, you need a movie about your life because that is just like, I, that would be a rom-com for sure. Like getting like the assistant to like a multi-million dollar photographer. I, I just was envisioning it as you were talking. But oh that, my gosh. That's incredible. And I think your story is unlike anything else that I've ever heard. But then it, I think it's, that's so funny that you were shooting these like $10,000 weddings or, or more than that. And then the second you went full time, you're like, Oh wait, I have to humble myself a lot because you were almost like, totally. you were working for the dude, the dude. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah. I think that I don't, what I took away from that, but I took away so many things, but I think what I mainly heard that I think listeners would take so such value from is your hustle. Like you mm. were scrappy. You got into those fashion shows by working your butt off and making it happen. And I think there's a lot of people out there that you just inspired them so much by just mm. that entire story. That was beautiful. Wow. Oh, <laughs> thanks. Well, it was a lot less sexy to live it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, they're definitely like with everything, there's like highs and lows and there's uh, like, I look back on those years and it, I almost look back at them as they're like sexy and glamorous, but actually living them was like, there were some, it was really hard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, it was scary to be like, oh my gosh, like if I don't book something in three days, like how am I going to pay my rent? And yeah. Um, but at the same time, like I am so grateful and I really think like every opportunity is an opportunity to grow if we choose it to be. And, um, I feel like 
like coming to any situation with a beginner's mindset and being like, I'm here to learn. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not an expert. Like it doesn't matter if I've been shooting for 10 years or 10 seconds or like whatever, like there's always room for growth. And there's always like, there's always opportunities to like lean into the unknown. And I think that's so much about what life is about, not just like running our businesses, but just being like, okay, let's take the expert hat off. Let's remove that mask of perfection and like come from a place of humility with a posture of like, I'm here for it. Like I'm here to grow. Mm. Oh, I love that. That's so good. That's something actually that God's been working on me this year of actively seeking out opportunities to be the like lowest person at the lowest rung in a room or Mm. in a situation is like actively seeking to humble myself with mentors, with coaches, with people who know way more than I do or know something that I have no idea, you know, what that field or industry looks like. And Mm -hmm. I think consistently practicing that humbling is going to get you so much farther than just pretending like you have it all together all the time. And that's not to say that, you know, fake it till you make it isn't a genuine, um, viable, successful option. Cause clearly, Mm -hmm. you know, I think a lot of entrepreneurs have done that. I did it myself when I was starting my business, like hadn't shot an Mm -hmm. elopement, was marketing myself as an elopement photographer. (laughs) Like, you know, there's, there's a side of that that's accurate. But then I think, you know, having that humility always as the foundation of Mm-hmm. your heart and your business will get you so far. Absolutely. And it keeps you honest too, right? Yeah. You're like, oh, yeah. I've never shot a boudoir session. Totally. I'm a boudoir photographer. Yeah. I, yes. <laughs> like, I think to like always have something in our lives that is getting us out of that comfort zone. Yeah. Cause that is how we grow and transform mm-hmm. is to like constantly be putting ourselves in uncomfortable situations and This might sound like weird and woo-woo, but I do this workout class and it's called The Class um, by Taryn Toomey. And it's so amazing. But the whole thing is like this physical workout that brings up like the internal narratives of our mind and our bodies. And so like one thing that she's always saying is like, it's like, notice what you want to do when you feel uncomfortable or when you feel discomfort, whether it's like discomfort from like doing 10 minutes and solid of squats where you're like, this is stupid. Like, I hate this. This hurts or it's uncomfortable. (laughs) But she's like, what if in discomfort, you chose to just let yourself feel it and keep doing it anyways, Mm -hmm. as opposed to like, we live our lives like doing anything to avoid discomfort. Like all we want is comfort. (laughs) But growth only begins when we step outside of the, the zone of comfort. Oh, that's so good. Man, <laughs> preach it, Kat. That was so good. I, the whole time you were talking and kind of telling your, your journey and your story, I was so riveted that I forgot for a solid five minutes that we were even like hosting a podcast recording right now. And I was so invested that I, I was like outside of this actual experience. <laughs> I will say that's the first time that I've completely forgotten that I'm hosting a podcast interview. And like, I've just been so invested that like, I was completely out of it. <laughs> it was so oh good. My gosh, that's amazing. <laughs> Does Instagram scare the heck out of you? Feeling like you're always struggling to save time on the good old gram while also creating flawless branded professional content for it? We feel you. We have made a special little something just for you. We created a PDF with our top five apps we use in conjunction with Instagram to create smooth, professional content while saving us time and energy. This is a list compiled after years of using Instagram and searching for all the secret pro tools to make our jobs easier. If you've ever wondered, how the heck did she do this? Or how did she make that? It's probably answered by one of these apps. There are little secret sauce to spicing up your Instagram. We use these apps daily and they've absolutely changed the game for us. So if you're ready to uplevel your Instagram and create pro content with just a few clicks, we got you. Head on over to www.theheartuniversity.com slash apps and let's uplevel that Instagame. That's A-P-P-S, y'all. Did you know that how you choose to package your products can be a game changer for organic marketing? 
I know. Cool, right? Listen to this. If someone receives a package from you in a beautiful branded design, they are much more likely to snap a photo and share about it online. Enter No Issue, a sustainable, customizable branded packaging company for business owners. No Issue provides everything from customizable tissue paper, stickers, tape, stamps, and a 100% compostable mailer bag to put all of your goodies in. Customizing your product is so crazy easy. Just upload your logo, choose a design from their templates and colors, or you can upload a finished design of your own. No Issue sent us some of their products, and honestly, we are freaking blown away. It's sustainable, (laughs) it's high quality, and it's so dang cool to see your brand printed all over your packaging. Plus, it makes your brand look bougie as heck. Like, talk about (laughs) (laughs) high-end. If you're ready to take your packaging game to the next level, you can use code HEART for 10% off at noissue.co. Happy packing. I feel like you talked so much about the hustle, which is so good and is so necessary to actually get places like stepping outside of your comfort zone, putting in the work, being willing to be uncomfortable to grow. (laughs) I think that's so important, but I think there's also another side to that coin of burnout and overwork and overwhelm and anxiety and all of that. So Mm -hmm. I would love to hear what, what has your experience been with overwork and overwhelm specifically? Yeah. So I would say for the first, gosh, from the time I graduated college, so was I 21, 22, till I was almost 30. So was that get like eight or nine years? I was working off jet fuel. I mean, when I was in the nonprofit world, like you're in the nonprofit world, you're underpaid, overworked. Like it is unfortunately uh, an industry and space that leads to a lot of burnout. And then I went from that to being in the photography world, working for this guy. And so I was working for him full time, but I was like, I want to learn everything about photography. So I was second shooting weddings, sometimes two or three weddings every single weekend for multiple years. So I had like no breaks, no days off. And, um, and then on top of that, like doing this crazy, like back and forth between LA and New York and, it felt like exciting at the time. Like in the moment, it was like, I prided myself that I was working like 80 hours a week, 90 hours a week, hundred hours a week, like something about it. I I felt like, I was like, I'm young. You sleep when you're dead. And <laughs> I, I remember like one of my guy friends used to say that all the time. And I was like, totally. Um, until like that works until it doesn't work. Right. So mm-hmm. it's, it, fun to like, you know, be propelled off jet fuel, but like a jet stream is like a burst of energy and like, it's not sustainable for the long haul. And essentially what started happening is it seemed like out of nowhere, but it, it was not out of nowhere. It was out of like almost a decade of like not taking care of myself, like in doing anything and everything for the job and sleeping a couple hours a night and skipping meals and having no sort of balance in my life. But I was shooting a wedding and I was in the middle of family portraits and started having this like balls to the wall panic attack. And I didn't know what it was. So I thought I was actually like having a heart attack and I was so scared. And I was also humiliated because like, I'm the head shooter in the middle of like family portraits, which is kind of what I think to be the most stressful time of the day. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it was also like a hundred degrees outside. So I was like, oh, am I going to faint? Like what's going on? Um, and thankfully I had a second shooter shooter with me and um, she was able to like take over and I was able to kind of like quietly bow out for like a couple hours of the wedding. Um, which was scary. Cause I was like, are these people going to sue me? Cause like, I'm not there. And I just remember like going to the, like the bathroom at the venue and like locking the door and like laying on the tile floor, like shaking, convulsing. And I couldn't make my body stop manifesting whatever it was manifesting. And it was really scary. And, um, I, ended up sucking it up like and going back out there to finish the wedding. Um, and then kind of just chalking it up to, Oh, it was hot outside. Like I must've just like, like not eaten enough today. And, um, hopefully that doesn't happen again. And then I shot a wedding the next weekend and it happened again, but it was worse. And I was like, 
out for like six hours of the wedding. And I like had to have my assistant like attached to my hip essentially during the ceremony. Cause I just was like, I felt like I couldn't breathe. And I just was like, I, what is happening? Like I thought I was dying and I almost left the wedding to like go to the ER. Um, and then the thought occurred to me, besides the fact that it's also embarrassing because I'm like, what the hell is happening to my body right now? Um, and then I remember the week after that I went to church and it happened again. And I like ran out of there and I just was sobbing. And my ex boyfriend at the time saw me run out of church and he grabbed me and was like, where are you going? Like, what is going on? Like, you are not being you right now. And I just started crying and I said, something is going on with my body. I don't know what's happening. I started getting like rashes all over my body. Um, I started getting these weird food allergies and he was just like there. He's like, it's like you are being attacked right now. Like your body, your mind, your spirit's being attacked right now. And like, it's going to be okay. Like just like, it's going to be okay. And that was the first time I, I realized this might be anxiety <laughs> or panic. And, um, from there I went, it was like, my life went on a complete pause for several months to get myself better. Um, because my basically my adrenals were shot, my nervous system was shot, my endocrine system was shot. It was like my gas tank had been on empty, like way past <laughs> when I was supposed to fill up the gas tank and like anything, like a pebble would get into the motor and then like the whole thing would explode. Um So burnout for me, um, was like a very visceral and physical experience. Um, I mean, anxiety started like taking over my life. Like in a few short weeks, I went from feeling quote unquote normal to being like terrified of leaving my house. Cause I didn't know like if I was going to like freak the F out on the subway and need to like get off a, a train and like, dry heave or throw up or faint or whatever, um, the scenario, um, I thought might happen. And so really from there, I mean, I, I went to counseling, I did a lot of like soul work, spirit work. Um, and really for me realized so much of what had been propelling me in my career was fear. And like, I don't believe that as humans, we are created to like operate from a space of fear or scarcity. So what I mean by that is I, I was driven because I loved what I was doing, but I was also very driven because like I needed to pay my rent. And so I said yes to a lot of things, even when I was beyond the point of like exhaustion or tired or like needing any sort of rest because I felt like, Oh my gosh, like, I don't know when the next job is going to come. So I have to say yes to this because like, you never know when the next thing's going to come. And so I realized like, what if, if, if I wasn't created to have a life of fear, but of wholeness, freedom, love, like connectedness to myself, God and others, like what would my life look like if it came from that space? And from there, I realized like, I really needed to go back to the basics in my life. And I needed to like before work, before I even considered work, like the rhythms I needed to implement into my life were like, am I getting seven to eight hours of sleep a night? Am I eating three meals a day? Do I have snacks with me? Cause it turns out I had low blood sugar. So like a lot of what had been happening at those weddings were also like, sh- like blood sugar crashes. And so like having snacks with me throughout the day to like, prevent me from like having one of those crashes. Um, um, meditating and spending time with God every morning became like a non-negotiable for me, moving my body five, five times a week and sweating, working out non-negotiable for me, staying connected to community and friends, non-negotiable to me, literally scheduling. I have like scheduled rest in my calendar every week where at least one day a week, there's like no email, no social media. I sleep until I wake up. Um, so really for me, it took, it took a pretty like radical experience, um, to shake things up for me to realize like the way I'm living my life is not working and it's not serving me. And it's actually not serving others. Cause if I am unable to love myself and take care of myself, then I really can't love and serve others. I can't be creative. Um, Mm -hmm. 
So I think, um, I'm, I am grateful it happened when it happened. Um, it happened when I was like 29, as opposed to like, I could have been like 50 years old and been so stressed out that I had a heart attack. Um, so thankfully like that didn't happen, but it definitely opened my eyes to, um, like, what am I doing here? And it's like, why am I being so driven? And I think so often we just allow ourselves to be propelled by fear or we just accept things that are so that don't have to be so. Well, Mm -hmm. I'm just controlling or I'm just OCD or I just like am stressed out. Like I'm just like a high energy person or whatever you want to say it. And I just am like, it's like, we're all walking around with like a broken leg that wasn't set. So we have this limp, but like everyone's stressed out and anxious. (laughs) And so we're like, Oh, so that just means that it's normal. When at this point I'm like, I call BS on the whole thing. I don't think Mm. that we have to be stressed out, anxious, fearful people. I don't think that running my business means that I have to work 80 hours a week. Like, in fact, like I, I don't work more than 40 hours a week, like ever. Like I, and as an entrepreneur, that's hard because there's always work to be done. But, um, I just refuse to get caught up in that life cycle again, because like, I know that it's not healthy. Um, that being said, it's, um, like anxiety wasn't like, oh, I healed from it overnight. Like I'm five years into that journey and I have a lot of tools that support me, but it still comes up. Like life isn't about the absence of fear. It's about our relationship to it. Um, so in those moments where like fear comes knocking or anxiety, like those physical symptoms start arriving again, being like, okay, like number one, like what is coming up for me? What am I afraid of? And number two, what's really true in this scenario? And literally speaking truth over myself, whether it's like the root of my fear is provision. Like even a time like what we're going through now, like a lot of us are being quarantined. It's like, am I my provider? Or or, or do I trust that there's a creator God out there that is providing for me? And what does it look like to really trust that? Um, So I can, I can speak more into the practical of how I do that, but that's like what, that's what burnout and anxiety looks like and has looked like for me. I am speechless every time you talk. I'm just like, okay, mic drop. I can, we don't, we can shut up the rest of the episode. (laughs) You can just take the floor because, oh my God, there is so many different things in all of that that I want to touch on. And, but we'd be here for like three hours and I don't want to do that to you or everyone listening. Although armchair expert. I know, right? Right? Oh my gosh. That was so good though, because I think everyone knows that like overwork is bad, right? Everyone knows that we need to get eight hours or seven hours or whatever it is of sleep. Everyone knows that we need to rest, quote unquote, right? But then no one does it because of exactly what you said. Like we're driven for a myriad of reasons, but a lot of that is fear. It's like that hustle Mm -hmm. of like, oh, we're not enough. We're chasing after our worth or whatever it is that, you know, that is in, Mm -hmm. in us. And I think you have such a powerful story setting an example of like, Hey, I did that. Here's what it led to. Don't make Mm -hmm. that same mistake. Um, and I, you just have such a powerful testimony to that specific just situation of overwork and overwhelm. Um, and you kind of touched on it, but if if stress and overwhelm creep in, what are some specific examples that you do now to like keep that at bay and to have that like balance? For sure. Um, well, I'll just get like real practical. Um, so if I start feeling myself feel anxious or sometimes when I public speak now, like that, like that feeling of anxiety. So it feels different for a lot of people. For me, I get super lightheaded. I feel kind of out of body. I'll get like really shaky and feel like I'm going to pass out. So it's a very pleasant experience. (laughs) Um, and so when that comes, like I, immediately interrupt it. So I identify what's coming up for me. Like literally, what am I afraid of happening right now? And often like the fear of the fear is greater than the thing itself. So like oftentimes for me, like, let's just go with the public speaking thing. It's like, I'm going to go on stage and I'm going to throw up and die. Like this like very (laughs) dramatic thing in my head, which I'm like, okay, like, first of all, has that ever happened? No. Um, Second of all, even if it did happen, 
I would be okay. So I think the first thing when we're feeling stressed or anxiety is identifying the root of it. Typically what's stressing you out isn't that you haven't answered all your emails. There's something, there's like the driving force underneath the force, if that makes sense. So the churning, like one of my leaders calls it like the churning below the churning, you know, um, like who, what's really the driving force down there. And if you, if you get curious and follow that all the way down to its root, it's typically something that is a narrative that is rooted in fear based off an experience that we had. So the reality is that like an experience feel is real, right? Um, experiences are very real, but just because it happened like that before doesn't mean that that's your destiny to happen like that again. So I think it's super important first to identify what am I afraid of? Two, if I were living from a space of freedom, wholeness, love, groundedness, like trusting that I am safe, like how would I be living? So that's where I I talk about like replacing a lie with truth. So like literally taking a thought captive in my head and being like, okay, like I am shooting this family portrait right now and I'm feeling anxiety. And what I really feel is trapped. Like I can't get out of this room right now because everyone's looking at me all right, what's true is that I'm not trapped, that I can take a break if I need, that I have an assistant that can um, take pictures for me and it is totally fine for me to take a breather. So replacing the fear with what's actually true. And sometimes what we have to do, we literally have to preach to ourselves. Like I'll be in the corner like a crazy person, like speaking truth over myself. Um, Because part of that is like we teach ourselves what is true and this is where like a, the faith piece comes in for me. Like faith is leaning into the unseen. Faith is leaning into possibility. So my circumstances tell me something is real, whether it's like, well, my rent is due tomorrow and I could fixate on that or I could lean into the possibility that things are going to work out. And then I can make a game plan based off that mindset as opposed to the mindset of scarcity. Um, So after I ask myself what I'm afraid of and replace it with truth, then I like, then you like go back to the basics. Okay. Like when was the last time I ate? Do I need some water? When was the last time? Like I moved my body. Like when we move our body, it like gets oxytocin and dopamine release through our bodies, which are like the feel good hormones. And like literally when you're stressed or depressed, like the last thing you want to do is move your body, like do something to make your body sweat, like Mm -hmm. put on music, dance, do a yoga class, go on a run. Like there's a reason why athletes say like, oh, like running helps me clear my head. It literally gets you out of your head and into your body. So Mm -hmm. fear often lives inside our minds and gets trapped into different places in our body. And so when we move our body, it literally gets that shaken, shaken out. And then other super practical things you can do, um, is to make sure you have like protein multiple points throughout your day, whether you're vegetarian, vegan, or you eat meat, like make sure you're having protein every few hours because that keeps your body at homeostasis or peace. So what you don't want is your body to be like, um, peaking and crashing. So what will happen is like we wake up, we feel exhausted. So we have a crap ton of coffee. So then our body spikes or like our system peaks and then it crashes because caffeine makes us crash. And then like midday, we're like, Oh, I'm like crashed. So then I need to like have another cup of coffee or that's typically when we crave sugar. And so we spike again and then we have another crash and then it's time for happy hour and we want to chill out because we've been stressed out because we've had so much caffeine (laughs) and then we're like let's have a a glass of wine or two and then our body dips because alcohol is a depressant but then when it metabolizes in our system it turns into sugar so then our body spikes again um so so much of combating like overwhelm and stress and anxiety as well is taking care of your physical body and Mm -hmm. giving your body that serves you. I'm not saying like, don't ever have alcohol or coffee. Um, but like for me, I have like a tiny cup of decaf now, which I was like, I'm never doing that. Um, but if you've struggled with anxiety strong, like hard, or if you've struggled with it enough, then you're willing to do some, some steps to take care of yourself. And then lastly, a super practical thing you can do when you feel stress or overwhelm after you've done those things is breathe. Like, Literally, like when we take deep breaths, it it 
signals to our brain like there's an the amygdala in our brain is the part of our brain that activates the fight or flight in our body which is like i'm stressed i'm scared i'm overwhelmed i'm burnt out i'm exhausted so the amygdala puts your body in fight or flight and then pumps all this adrenaline and cortisol in your body and that's when it's like you're feeling like super amped up shaky anxiety like that is what's being pumped through. So how to stop the amygdala from pumping cortisol and adrenaline through your body is through breathing. So you can make you all you need to do is make sure that your exhales are longer than your inhales. So you can try boxed breathing, which is inhale for the count of four, hold for the count of four, exhale for the count of six, hold for the count of four, repeat that 10 to 20 times and it will activate your parasympathetic nervous system and literally tell your body that you're safe. And then finally, other things you can do is EFT tapping. Um, there's different like meridian points in our body that like when you tap on them, like on your chest or like, uh, like underneath like your temple, it's like a, a point in your body that literally signals to your brain that you're safe. Um, so those are like really practical things, um, that you can do when you're feeling stressed. And then I always say like, make a list, like get it out of your head and onto paper. Cause often like in business, when I'm feeling stressed out, it's because I feel like I have a million things to do and not enough time to do them. And part of what you just need to do is you need to get it out of your head and write it on paper and then make a game plan to tackle it. Mm-hmm. Um, those are, those are like <laughs> things that I feel it's so much like if you're stressed, go back to the basics. When was the last time I eat, ate? When was the last time I slept? Um, when was the last time I rested? Um, when was the last time I meditated? Um, when was the last time I moved my body? Um, all those things are super helpful. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yes. I cannot agree with this more. I think It's so helpful to hear from somebody who's been through it and somebody who's kind of walked through this journey of your experience not implementing these things, the outcome from that and what you've learned and grown in over the years coming out of that season that have led you to a much more balanced lifestyle and the ways that you then tackle it. And I think it's so important for any entrepreneur who's listening to this show right now to take what you just said, write it down and keep it in the back of their mind, even if they feel like, oh, I'm nowhere near like a burnout risk point. Um, Mm -hmm. Because I think the reality is burnout sneaks up on you when you have like no like expectation that it's going to be there. And I think Everything that you just said is the most powerful, tangible, practical fight back for anxiety or burnout or overwhelm that I have ever heard anybody give so concisely. So thank you for sharing that. That's so helpful for so many people, I'm sure. I'm so glad. I mean, like mental health stuff is real and anxiety is real. And I mean, especially with what we're going through as a nation and world right now, um, for me until I started struggling with it, when I would hear people be like, I'm stressed or I'm feeling anxious, I would literally be like, well, go take a chill pill or (laughs) go take a nap. And I've like had to go back to a lot of people and apologize, um, about that. Cause it, it is very real. Um, So yeah, I'm so passionate about people knowing that it doesn't have to be this way. Mm -hmm. Like you do not have to walk through your life anxious. You do not have to walk through your life afraid. And you do not have like fear. The agenda of fear is to keep us small and stuck and hidden. And it's like, that is like not what we were created for. Um, but I know for myself, like it was so tempting to make my world really small when I started struggling with anxiety. And even now, as I, I do more speaking engagements, like I freaked the F out at one of my first speaking engagements (laughs) and I was like, not doing that again. That felt really bad. And like, I felt super anxious and like, I wanted to run for the exit and I could not do that again. Like that would be okay. But I 
know. I typically know when there's resistance, it means like I'm on the path towards something I'm supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. And the best way to combat fear is to acknowledge it and go for it anyways. Be like, all right, like I experienced anxiety when I was on stage before. Okay, great. Like I might experience it again, but I'm going to do it anyways. Um, so I think life is not, again, not about the absence of fear, but acknowledging it and like saying, thank you so much for coming to the party. You don't have to drive the car. Like you can sit in the back seat. Like you're welcome here. I know you're just trying to save me and like literally save my life, but like, I'm going to keep going forward. Yes. I love that. (laughs) Okay. Kat, I would love to hear just with all of the years of incredible experience that you've had growing your business, all the ins and outs of that, starting the refined woman, everything. What do you feel has been one of the biggest lessons you've learned in business so far? Gosh, I feel like uh, such a great question. And it's hard for me to just like narrow it down to one response. Um, I think I like two things come to my mind and one is to know your why, like, Simon Sinek, Ted talk 101 people buy <laughs> why you do it, you do, not what you do. Um, and you know, I have been doing photography for a long time. I now have the, the refined woman, which is, has like a lot of different legs to it. And what I realized is to walk out the now with intention and strategy, I have to know where I'm headed. And part of knowing where I'm headed is know why is knowing why I'm headed there. Mm. And so I had to get really clear on why am I here? Why am I doing the thing I'm doing? What is my propelling factor? And then taking this like vision statement, mission statement, whatever you want to call it, And that acts as like the filter system to all of my business decisions. So for me, my why is my, or my vision is to empower and equip women to embrace their beauty, identity, value, and worth through storytelling. And so when different opportunities come my way, then everything filters through that. And if it's in alignment with that, then it's a green light to move forward. And if it's not in alignment with that, it makes it an easy no. And so I think really getting clear about your why and your vision is going to, so it's going to, it helps you create a fame framework to how to walk through today, how to set up a one-year plan, three-year, five-year, 10-year vision plan. Um, because I would say for the first gosh, five years of my career, I was just, I was responding and putting out fires as opposed to like driving the ship because I didn't, I wasn't, I was just like, Oh, I, this shoot looks cool. And uh, I like this. Let me do this. And so like, knowing my why has really helped me focus my energy and gain clarity on what I say yes and no to. And then kind of second tier to that is the biggest lesson I've learned in life and in business is that I have the permission to say no. Mm. Like if I take a break, like if I don't Instagram for a week, guess what? My business is not going to fall apart. <laughs> um, if I don't answer that email at 11 PM, guess what? Like my business is not going to fall apart. Like boundaries 101 is that we teach people how to treat us. And for so much of my career, like I just was a yes person all the time instead of being a strategic no person. Like mm. when we say yes to something, we're saying no to a thousand other things. And when I say no to something, then I'm creating space for a more excellent yes. Um, Mm. So I think living from the space of like trust and being like, you know what, my no is okay. And I don't have to justify it. If I don't want that client or that job, or if I want to take that vacation, then I'm just going to take that vacation um, and not be like, what if I, what if like a, a wedding comes along on those dates and just trust that that boundary is going to be for your good. Yeah. And those two things go so hand in hand, like you said, like when you know your why, it makes saying no so much easier. Um, I I love that lesson. Man, Kat, thank you. So I feel just so refreshed. I feel like ready to go on a run. I I feel ready (laughs) to go drink some water. Like (laughs) This interview has been just a breath of fresh air. I cannot wait for it to come out. I know people are just, their ears are going to be blessed from all the wisdom that you just spewed out for the last hour. 
thank you so much for being here. Before we let you go, yeah, before we let you go, where can everyone find you? Where can they get in touch with the refined woman? Where can they listen to your podcast? Say hi to you, take your courses, all of that jazz. Lay it on us. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So my website is the refined woman, A-N, not (laughs) E-N. And Instagram is the refined woman. My podcast is the refined collective. And on my website, the refined woman, I have um, access to some of my courses and meditations and uh, Bible studies and stuff like that. And then twice a year, I launch um, a program for single women. So if you're listening and you're single and you're like, oh my gosh, dating is a struggle fest. Um, <laughs> girl, I hear you. You are not alone. Um, I have awesome free resources at bit.ly slash TRW dating tips. So that's bit.ly slash TRW dating tips. And that is just for any girl who has ever felt like, oh my gosh, like I'm so sick of like the swipe rights and swipe lefts and being ghosted or friend zoned or like whatever, all of that, like that, that um, resource is for you. So perfect. We'll put all those links in the show notes as well for everyone. But Kat, thank you so much for just being here and opening your heart to us and to our listeners. This was seriously just so refreshing and I'm feeling like Lindsay, ready to go take on the world right now. (laughs) Let's all go take on the world. I love it. Thanks for having me. Of course.